Welcome to Things to Know. I'm Luca, and on this show, we talk to the people that make the Thingdoms special. Today, we're talking to none other than Eltronic. Eltronic is a long-term community member, significant contributor, and has an incredible story. I hope you enjoy, but more importantly, I hope you learn something. Thank you so much for joining us today. Why don't you start by just telling us a little bit about yourself? Who are you? Sure. Um, well, you guys know me as Eltronic. I go by L um, on the day to day. My full legal name, as they say, is Ariel. Um, I live in Miami Beach. I'm from the Bay Area, San Francisco Bay Area. Um, went to school in San Francisco, went to art schools most of my life. Um, went to UC Davis for behavioral psychology. And now I'm a craft cocktail bartender in Miami Beach. So there's a, a bunch of jumps there. Um, mm -hmm. I want to start with art school, UC Davis. Um, how do you move from art to that world? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I don't know. <laughs> I was raised by a single dad who worked in tech his whole life. So um, I was raised with a lot of respect for technology, but my dad really wanted me to have respect for the arts too, I think. So he put me in um, a performing arts school. Um, it was a very rigorous one. So I had like mandatory um, improv comedy, creative writing, tap, ballet, ballroom, jazz, visual art, just like the full spectrum. And um, I always had a love for just, I guess, like creativity and the mind and the human condition. and. Um, behavioral psychology was just kind of on the menu for me, I think. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. I think art in general and like psychology as a field, behavioral psychology in particular, kind of walk hand in hand at times. So that's not a super, super out there jump. Um, did you enjoy performing art school or, or art school in general? Like, was that a world you wanted to escape from or was it something that you really enjoyed doing? Uh, no, I really enjoyed doing it. Um, it very much shaped who I am today. Um, so my primary schooling was um, performing arts. And then I went to a high school called School of the Arts, where you kind of you audition to get in and you pick your discipline. And my discipline was creative writing. Um, and I did a lot of writing in my spare time. I still do a lot of writing. Um, I, I love being creative. I think that nobody should ever stop being creative. So that was really like instilled at me at a young age that, that was valuable. And I think that I still live my life like that. Great. So you end up doing behavioral psychology and then you end up in Miami. Walk me through yeah. how that transition happens a little. Right. Um, so my, my final year at UC Davis, um, I came home one semester and my dad had, you know, worked in tech his whole life. He was kind of ready to get out. And um, I posed to him, I was like, he had done some kind of entrepreneurial stuff. And I was like, well, the cannabis market is taking off. Would you like to open a dispensary with me? Um, so that that's the jump in between um, psych to bartending as I worked in the cannabis industry for several years. And um, we opened up a dispensary together. He's a white collar guy, so doesn't know anything about cannabis. Um, just kind of educated him on the market. I came up with a name, I made a logo, I did the product acquisition because he had no idea what he was looking at. And um, 
yeah, we, we ran that business for a good handful of years, had a great time doing it. And then I just kind of proceeded to do other things in that industry. That is an incredibly cool story. I don't know if I've ever talked to anyone that started a, a cannabis store with their parents. Um, yeah. Very, very cool. Can you walk us through a little bit more of, of like the details of starting that? I'm sure like it's an incredibly yeah. complicated, regulated field. Um, talk to us a little bit about that process and some of the things you learned from it. Yeah, um, at the time, it was pre-recreational, so um, there were a ton of regulatory measures. And at the same time, it was still kind of the Wild West because there was all this gray area and it was a new industry. Kind of reminds me of crypto in some ways, just that that feeling of newness and, um, you know, how do we approach these things? Um, but that was also really exciting. So um, the, the sort of not fun stuff was, you know, being in touch with the county, um, knowing what the state needed, knowing what we needed to be doing on a federal level. Um, and then having all of our ducks in a row, just paperwork wise. So um, that's sort of the not fun part of it, but um, also really interesting stuff. And then um, as we kind of moved into uh, recreational and I started working at other dispensaries, I started doing um, stuff with Metric, which is the software that tracks cannabis from seed to sale. So then that was like a whole nother um, landscape of regulatory measures. Metric sounds interesting though. Um, in a certain way, like I, I've never heard of it before, but tracking from seed to actual sale and, and building out that supply chain is, is like a very cool concept. Um, but I imagine it must be a pain to deal with on a daily basis. Yeah. Um, so very, very cool. Very cool. This blockchain, I, that whole industry could use benefit greatly from blockchain tech. A hundred percent. There's definitely a startup there. Uh, mm -hmm. I feel like merging those two kind of volatile early fields though may pique the government's interest just a little bit too much. Right. Um, I had one more question on this front. I've always heard from people that open cannabis businesses run them, that the banking system is a nightmare beyond the headaches of like the regulatory and so on. Is that the case? Did you experience that? A hundred percent. Yeah. Um, I mean, there were times where we were, there was like one bank that was willing to work with us. We would literally end up taking, because um, it was cash only, we would end up just taking like bags of cash, which is a really weird thing to do, especially as a legitimate business. Um, but it was kind of our only option. And then you also want to be able to take like credit card payments and stuff like that. So we really struggled to find places that would work with us and um, landed on Square, which I think a lot of dispensaries still use to this day. That's crazy. I, mm -hmm. I can't even imagine just like the surrealness of walking into banks with bags of cash, because that's the only way you can do it. But also just like the massive system that mm -hmm. surrounds the business and, and trying to navigate it all. Um, that's incredibly interesting. And then you said you made the jump from bud tending over to bartending. What motivated that jump? Is it just a different environment? You wanted a different experience or what kind of led you there? Yeah. Um, well, I moved to Miami with the intention of continuing to work in the cannabis industry. It wasn't the same environment um, as California, obviously, because I was moving to um, a medicinal state. And um, it just it wasn't it wasn't the environment that I was used to. I didn't think that there was as much room um, for upward mobility or creativity and uh, the jobs that were here were like largely hospitality because I live on the beach, whereas it's kind of like living in Vegas, like everything is like in a hotel. So um, yeah, I was just like, let's start doing this. And it was fun and I enjoyed it because 
I was a little creative and I got to talk to people and it was fun for me. Yeah. Fun job. Very yeah. fun job. Um, so we've talked through kind of your story of how you went from art school to bartending in Miami with a bunch of different stops in between. Where does crypto come into the picture? How do you find out about it? What makes it kind of click for you? What draws you in? Um, yeah, I think I I ran into crypto in like 2015 or so. Um, it was on Reddit. And I think there was like one crypto sub, like today there's hundreds for every altcoin out there, but it was just like Bitcoin and maybe like our cryptocurrency or something. And I kind of like scrolled through the, the threads and um, looked into it elsewhere. And then at the time, my only kind of general awareness of crypto was like, you know, Silk Road, Darknet Markets. Um, Ross Albrecht uh, lived in San Francisco around that time. Um, I think he was probably arrested by then, but like I was aware of, you know, <laughs> that kind of uh, nature of crypto. And it felt like, you know, not a lot of people were into it. It was like very fringe, which was kind of exciting for me. And then it seemed even more fringe for women, which was like, okay, like I feel like I'm not supposed to be doing this. So I want to do it even more almost and um, just got into it. So I immediately downloaded Coinbase um, and was kind of like in and out of it for, I don't know, like a handful of years. And then each kind of cycle I went through it, I became a little more serious and did a little more research. And um, the past couple years, I kind of made a dedicated effort to really understand what I was looking at because for the longest time, like I, I couldn't even tell you where like a candle like started and ended. Like I didn't know what I was looking at. So, you know, I sat down, I made a trading view account. I was like, I'm gonna teach myself indicators. I'm gonna understand market psychology. I'm gonna get a feel for this space in a way that I haven't before. And um, that was fun, it was fun stuff. Do you feel like that training worked? <laughs> yeah, you know, it's one of those things like, you know, the farther you get into anything, the less you realize you know, right? Um, so I think that especially applies for like TA and I think anybody who says that like, you know, they can look into their crystal ball is, you know, telling you lies. Um, but I think it was a really uh, good toolbox for me to dip into like when I needed it. Um, and then I, I met, like I reconnected with one of my old friends a couple years ago who I found out was working in crypto. He had been working for this company called Flexa Network, which is, um, a payment real company and they do crypto to fiat, fiat to crypto, crypto to crypto payments. And their whole thing is like, we do it instant and we do it fraud free because we have a, a token collateral called AMP. And um, it wasn't like, it wasn't like really like sexy utility, like privacy or something like that. It was payments, but that felt like really accessible for the average investor, like tangible people could understand the value in that. And, um, I could see how that was going to push adoption forward. So I got really excited about that. Um, Chipotle just started using their software like a week ago. Wow. Yeah, yeah that, that's really cool. I saw the Chipotle announcement, but I hadn't mm -hmm. like really traced it back to who was powering it. So that, mm -hmm. that's fascinating. Um, I did want to jump back to one of your comments about, um, I forget your exact words, but essentially it felt a little countercultural. It, it felt like very early, very niche. Yeah. Um, and then you mentioned in particular, because you're a woman, it felt like it, it was even more countercultural. Could you talk a little bit about your experience as a woman in the space? Is, is that something that is like noticeably different? Are you treated different? How does that kind of all boil up for you? 
Yeah, um, it's it's super hard because I don't have anything to compare it to, right? Um, but for my first few months, like I definitely didn't want to be like presenting an image that I was female, like especially initially, I was like, I'm gonna make a username on Twitter where nobody knows my gender. And then I started getting into NFTs and like one of the NFTs that I bought was like, you know, kind of like female oriented. And I was like, okay, people are gonna get it. And then eventually I was like, all right, I'm gonna do this. Um, so it was definitely something that I like capitulated on and I wasn't sure if I was gonna dox, I wasn't sure um, how honest I was gonna be about any of that, but I think at least the communities that I've entered into, everybody's been completely supportive and kind. And um, I think, you know, there's always somebody out there who's gonna give you a hard time no matter what it is. So, I mean, it's it's been a, an okay road for me. I know that other women, you know, have different stories, but it's been okay for me. I'm, I'm glad to hear that. I think the story of like creating a username that is pretty non-binary, isn't gendered, kind of like staying in that world is is a very common story for a lot mm -hmm. of people. Um, so it's it's interesting to see your story of kind of stepping out of that a little bit as well um, and, and moving into a world where you're more comfortable showing that um, or, or feel more open to showing that. Um, I guess that brings us to NFTs. When do NFTs come on your radar? Because you're looking at, at 2015, kind of early crypto, you go through a couple cycles. When are NFTs like crossing your view? Yeah, I uh, got into NFTs last year, um, took some convincing by a friend of mine, and I really like didn't get it at first. Like I remember, like I had OpenSea, um, I had I had MetaMask for a long time before I did anything with it. I was looking at OpenSea and I was looking at this stuff and I couldn't really understand the value of it. But um, I mean, that's largely due to the fact that I wasn't in a community. So when you're just looking at images and you're not seeing the larger picture, it's really easy to not get it. And then as soon as I like fully jumped into a project and my first project was JPEG's Automart, um, which I don't know if you're aware, but it's like this kind of meme project. And um, what was super enticing to me about that was like, everybody was pretending to be a salesperson because the concept is like, we work on a car lot and we're only selling 2007 Kia Sedonas. And this reminded me so much of like, you know, like the improv comedy that I did or like any of the creative stuff where you just come up with silly things and you like commit to it fully. And I loved the mm -hmm. commitment um, and I loved the concept. It was just fun and people were having fun. And I was like, if if it's about fun, like I'm in. That's a, a really interesting parallel because I think like a lot of, especially right now, um, for people listening way after the fact, it's the middle of June, 2022. Mm -hmm. uh, middle of the bear there's a bunch of like cco cc0 projects that are kind of coming out with that idea of like almost improv between all the community members uh, very much tied to like taking an idea and running with it and i had never really considered it through that lens um so that that's really interesting that that was kind of what clicked it um i think you had a, a particularly like pertinent quote which was that like if you're not in a community you can't really get it mm -hmm. um I totally agree on that front. And I think that kind of brings us towards the Thingdoms community. How did you find it and what kind of drew you into it? Yeah, um, saw it on Twitter, of course, um, was looking at the art and it was it was very different. Um, I mean, it was cute, but it wasn't, you know, defined by its cuteness. So 
you know, it, it had a different kind of color palette, I felt like. Um, the expressions weren't all happy. You had this full range of human emotion. You have, you know, confused, sad, angry, whatever, grumpy. Um, and there was something about it that I like was very endearing. Um, the fact that not all of them were happy and they were just these things. And um, I, I don't know, it was it was interesting. And then I also liked the, the ethos, the do good things. I, I felt like that really resonated with me and um, just how they were, you know, putting that that first foot forward really vibed with me yeah totally did you come across them before the mint after the mint yeah um i was aware that uh there was a discord i wasn't in the discord and i was like really trying to get in the discord um and there was one instance where they had opened it and i had missed it by like literally seconds i think it was like three or four seconds Oof. I know. And so I, I know I commented on the post and I was like, darn, like just missed it or something. And, um, DJ, um, ended up DMing me an invite. Um, and I was like, thank you so much. And I, I joined the discord and then, um, we minted like a month later. And then I, I DM'd him um, that night. And I was like, this is the most fun I've ever had in a Discord community. Like, I just want to thank you for sending me an invite. And um, yeah, I, I those early days especially like were, were so interesting to me. Like I hadn't experienced anything like that in Web3. Um, and, you know, Discord, I mean, I was fairly new to Discord too. So um, it was just a total experience. Yeah, I I had a really similar experience getting on the first couple of times. I hadn't really used Discord, hadn't really been in like a NFT community Discord. Um, and those early days, like you were saying, were, were a pretty special experience, especially if you didn't have any of that context. Mm -hmm. Moving forward a little bit in time, what kind of keeps you sticking around? Yeah, um, it's community, community always, right? Um, the people that I've, I've met in this space I've come to understand as my friends. I really like the people that they are. And I, I think that it's so cool that everybody's really good at something. And um, I feel like I have like a sense of who these individuals are. Um, I do like the idea of continuing to be part of something that's still new and pushing it along with, you know, my good vibes or whatever, and um, just being there for it. Yeah. And you've contributed a lot to the community as well, worked on a bunch of different like mini projects inside of it. Do you want to maybe talk about some of that and, and how those relationships develop? Yeah, I mean, I just have fun. I like making memes. Um, I grew up on the internet and it's just a fun thing for me. So um, if I can make something and it's, it's gonna make somebody laugh or, um, you know, contribute something to the project in terms of like our overall feeling of the lore of it. Like that's excellent. Um, I like creating stories and you can create, you know, a story with just a single image. I think memes are so powerful. Um, so love to do stuff like that. And um, movie night's been really cool. I've really enjoyed um, watching movies with people and then just having kind of that back and forth commentary as you're watching it, I think has been really fun. and. Yeah, it's good stuff. Well, on behalf of the Thingdoms community, we really appreciate everything you've done because you definitely have, have helped bring the community together and have created a ton of interesting moments for us. So thank you on that front. Um, I think zooming out a little bit, 
where do you see this all going? I know you said you really believe in memes. Is that the play, like control memes and, and images into the new era of Web3 and decentralization? Like where do you see this all going? What are your views on it? What's the end game? Ooh, I mean, I think NFTs are sort of like this early playground. Like right now it's all about like art and community. Um, I think eventually we're probably gonna move beyond some of this stuff that's like more fun and meme based and um, NFTs will, you know, be used for less fun things maybe. Um, it's really hard to say though. Um, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, that's sort of like the fun of it is that I don't know where it's going. And I think if I did, it wouldn't be as fun. Do you have anything you're working on? Anything that, that we should be keeping our eyes out for? Um, you know, not particularly, um, not right now, you know, I don't feel like it's a good time, um, to contribute anything to the space at the very moment, but I've definitely thought about it. Um, I've had some people tell me like, I should mint some of my art. Uh, maybe I'll do that at some point, but, um, right now I'm just happy to contribute to other people's projects. Eventually maybe we'll, we'll see that seed to, to sale blood right. blockchain come of that. That would be very, I, I think that would be a good one. So final thoughts, if you could leave the Thingdoms community um, or the NFT community in general with like one idea, kind of one belief or statement, what would it be? Uh, you know, we're all here, um, ideally to contribute something that is has some long lasting good to it. I think that the crypto space has sort of had to wiggle itself out of some negative connotations that were developed in the very beginning um, of its presence. So I think moving forward, we work towards um, bringing people in and allowing ourselves to be as accessible as possible to other people and as open to ideas as possible and just kind to others. I hope you enjoyed that interview. If you'd like to connect with Eltronic, you can find them on Twitter at Eltronic. And if you'd like to connect with me, you can also find me on Twitter at ItsLucaWM. I'd like to extend a huge thank you to Eltronic, not only for joining me on the show, but for everything they do for the Thingdoms community. It's truly appreciated. And as always, a huge thank you to the entire Thingdoms community. If you know someone that should be featured on this show, DM me on Twitter or on Discord. I'd love to hear your perspective. As always, stay thingy, do good things, and I'll see you next week.